Welcome to the How to Survive a Horror Movie Podcast, where we learn how to survive horror movies and maybe how to survive life. I'm your host, Ryan Stacey, and today we're getting weird with it, talking about Halloween 2 Remake, the 2009 one from Rob Zombie, which is just weird. I killed him. I'm joined by our Halloween correspondent, Derek Kubitschek. Derek, how you doing? Yeah, we're getting weird. Even Weird Al somehow makes an appearance in this movie. And I gotta say, I, I didn't care for this one much. I'm not going to claim to be any kind of slasher movie savant or even any kind of Halloween expert, but this one just felt like it was on the lower tier of Halloween movies. I didn't really understand what was going on half the time. The whole theme was confusing and baffling, and I really am having a hard time reflecting on a lot of parts of this movie, but most of it was negative for me. Yeah, I don't care for this movie either. It's probably bottom three in the series overall. I say i think it's better than resurrection i think it's better than six that's about it i have it better than five and eight. Oh, and, i meant five I yeah meant five. yeah because the paul rudd one we agree that there are fun moments but it's generally not a positive experience yeah. but this one's just not a positive experience i can appreciate it for being something very different they they definitely go weird with this one some of the actors are doing a good job there's like one sequence i like but this is not a good movie at all yeah you said that this movie kind of reminds you of, of a Rob Zombie music video. At, at points, yeah. This movie reminded me, when, when I visited Vegas, I saw the Chris Angel show Believe live. This movie is a very weird adaptation of the Chris Angel live production Believe because it was just really unsettling. It's not enough of the stuff that you actually paid to see, the stuff that you were there to see. But at the end, you're thinking that was definitely a show. I remember walking out of the Chris Angel show, and there were the, the crowds were waiting to get in. This was at the Luxor in Vegas. And one guy who was waiting to get in asks, hey, how was the show? And this one guy said, Chris Angel's an amazing magician. He made all my money disappear. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody laughed. Now, like you said, there are good performances, and there are things maybe stylistically you can lean on for support of this movie. But in general... It's not fun. I, I would never watch it again if I didn't have to. Yeah. Uh, three out of ten for me and third worst in the series. Yeah, I agree with that. Don't care for it. But the main reason we're here is not to talk about how good the movie is. We're here to Thank talk God. about, <laughs> we're here to talk about uh, how good uh, the survival skills of our characters are. Also not great. Also not great, Bob. <laughs> so the point of this podcast is we're trying to create a master list of rules to survive any and all horror movies. And you can check out our current list of rules on our Twitter account. At how the number two horror. Um, that's where we keep our 47 rules. So you can see the most current list there. And we're going to be going through the plot of this movie beat by beat, decision by decision, trying to figure out if we need to add any new rules to our list. I don't think we're going to be adding any today, but maybe we'll come across something. Yeah, I, we're not going into this podcast with some preconceived notion of something that we want to add. Yeah. Which we've done in the past. Yes. It's not all doing it live, believe it or not, ladies yeah. and gents. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't think of anything right now but who knows yeah i can't either but point is spoiler alert for halloween 2 a movie that came out 11 years ago so spoilers ryan is this better or worse than revenge of the fallen for you better. speaking of 2009 sequels i'd rather watch this than revenge of the fallen <laughs> I, i'd rather watch this than revenge of the fallen <laughs> i think i'd rather watch revenge of the fallen but it's a close one <laughs> so yeah spoiler alert 
Don't bother watching this one. Just listen to the podcast. Fair point. Yeah. Derek, anything else before we get into this? No, let's go. All right, let's get into the plot of Halloween 2, the remake. So the movie begins with a flashback. We have Deborah Myers, the mom of Michael Myers. Uh, she's visiting her son Michael in the hospital back when he was a kid. And Michael's been having dreams of white horses and his mom wearing a white dress. Okay. Sure. And that's going to be a major theme of this movie for some reason. Definitely the most confusing aspect. Yeah. Uh, we see a lot of Deborah Myers in a white dress and a white horse walking around in this movie. And I, I don't know why. This is the music video aspect that you were talking about. You need these quick clip visual aids that this is a theme in this movie. And for some reason, Lori can see these people too. I don't know. It's weird. But whatever. I think my, my three is Rob Zombie just wanted to put his wife in the movie because uh, Deborah Myers is played by his, his wife. And so I'm, I think he just wanted to show off, yo, my wife's hot and I'm going to get her a paycheck. Whatever the reason was, it, this whole thing was confusing. But point being, we're here now. There's a flashback and white horses and uh, Deborah Myers in a white dress is symbolism for something. Something. We're not really sure what it is. But? But we're here now. We're here now. Cut to 15 years later. We have Laurie Strode walking down the street covered in blood. With the gun still in her hand from shooting and definitely killing Michael Myers in the previous movie. Definitely. There's no way he survived. Um, and she's picked up by Sheriff Brackett. Again, played by Brad Dorif, a.k.a. Wormtongue, a.k.a. Chucky the Killer Doll. And this is one thing. We need to remember that in this reboot, they don't know that Michael Myers has any kind of supernatural powers yet. Yeah. They know that Loomis shot him a couple times in the pool and he managed to survive that, but there's no undead or resurrective capabilities yeah. this is new for them not for the audience so we are going to be grading on a kind of odd curve given that we're in the 10th movie in the series but it's kind of like we're in the second one. yeah it's a rebooted timeline remake timeline this is the first sequel in this timeline so all we have is point blank shot to the head michael should be dead yes there's no reason to suspect otherwise until about five minutes from yeah now. until about five minutes from now uh so laurie gets brought to the hospital because of course uh, Dr. Loomis is put in an ambulance, assumingly brought to the hospital as well. And then we also have, I think we get a brief shot of Annie Brackett being brought to the hospital too, uh, mm -hmm. the sheriff's daughter. So these are our, our four main characters, our, our three survivors and the sheriff of the previous film. We're all still with them. Yeah. Then we meet two coroners, uh, coroners Scott and Hooks. And I only know their names because they are in the credits. Yeah, otherwise they're not really important. Yep. Coroner Scott, he's played by a guy named Richard Brake, who is actually in both Kingsman and Spy, which is kind of a little fun fact. He's got brief roles in both of those movies, which I find kind of funny. Okay. And he's a sick fuck. Yeah, these, particularly the guy in the passenger seat yep. here, he's talking about corpses in unflattering manners. And yeah. Generally, it's um, the director saying, hey, audience, you do not like this guy. Yeah, and it... It works. Yeah, it works. We don't care about the scout because he, he's talking about having sex with corpses. It's not great. And then the other corner, Coroner Hooks, is played by Dayton Callie, who is on Sons of Anarchy. Brief little roles for both of these guys. They they have Michael in the back of their um, their coroner van. Yes, he's dead. Yep, he's dead. Definitely. No reason to suspect otherwise. And they're joking around about having sex with corpses. Unfortunately, Coroner Hooks gets distracted, and right off the bat, we have Coroner Hooks breaking rule number. 37, keep your eyes on the road. Which, by the way, I have organized in my handy-dandy little organization of notes here, how to avoid a horror movie, rule 37, 
keep your eyes on the road. Yep. Because we know that horror movies can start if you're not paying attention. Because you're driving a two-ton metal death machine. That is the most important thing going on. Not your conversation, especially not this particular conversation. And yes, not even the corpse in the back of the coroner's van. Now, if you know that Michael has resurrective capabilities, perhaps you are keeping one eye on the rearview mirror as long as you are keeping an eye on the road. At that point, I still say they're equally weighted because if you don't get where you're going because you drive off a cliff or into a tree or into mm, a cow, cow. there's no winning. Yeah. So I've driven cars before with passengers. Oh, have you? And I've had conversations with said passengers. You and I, for example, drove all the way from Los Angeles to North Dakota. Yeah, and actually, this is this... This is a direct comparison here. We were driving through a State Park in Southern Colorado, mm-hmm. and I was driving your van, mm-hmm. and we were talking. We were having a conversation. The sun was behind the mountains. Yep. It was dark. We came around a hairpin turn, and there was an elk standing in the middle of the road. I managed to stop your van yep. and not hit that elk while having a conversation with you. You want to know why you did that? Because you kept your eyes on the road. Yeah, and I'm a competent human being. I can't believe I need to say this. But you can have a conversation with someone while driving while keeping your eyes on the road. Yes. You don't have to look at the person you're talking to. They'll get it. It's not rude. Yes. Especially when that person is driving. So I, I don't understand this. Stupid. These are incompetent characters. Dumbass. I want to beat it to death because they deserve it. They crash the ambulance and this kills Coroner Hooks. He's dead. The driver. Yep, the driver. Rule number 37, keep your eyes on the road. That's all we have for you. You could have avoided this whole horror movie. Your horror movie wasn't even Michael Myers related. Congratulations, you died in like a a driver's safety education video. Yep. (laughs) That's embarrassing. You could use the beginning of Halloween 2, the remake, (laughs) as like a driver's education uh, PSA. Keep your eyes on the road. You never know if they're going to be cows. There's always cows. (laughs) And this seriously hurts uh coroner scott he's messed up yeah probably pretty realistic yeah this guy gets messed up by this crash yeah michael wakes up gets out of the back of the van picks up a shard of glass and just cuts this guy's head off nothing he could do he might have a broken neck and it kind of looked like it yeah he might i I don't know if he was able to move at all there's nothing this guy could have done at this point no he was basically shouting for help but he couldn't move he was incapacitated it's really odd because you'd think Michael was going to wake up anyway, and these guys are probably dead, but they had him run into a cow for some reason. Yep. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but, you know, as much as these guys are pretty scummy people, the driver broke one rule, keep your eyes on the road. Passenger tried to warn him. Coroner Scott tried to warn him twice about the cow in the road, but yeah. the guy wasn't paying attention, so uh, no rule breaks for this creepo. Just, nope. Just being a creep. He was even doing his job. Yeah. You know, so there's really nothing else to say about these guys. Michael sees his mom in a white dress and the white horse down the road and walks away. I looked at it and I'm like, Ryan, another cow. <laughs> <laughs> Any Twister fans out there? Uh, <laughs> that's not the only Twister reference we're going to have in this movie, which is crazy. Multiple Twister, Twister references in one movie. I'm in heaven. Best movie ever. <laughs> yes. Best 3 out of 10 movie I've ever watched. So the next part we're just going to yada yada through. I just want to talk about it real quick because... This part's all a dream. Lori is going to wake up in the hospital, and we think we're going to do the classic Halloween 2 sequel. Because Halloween 2, or the Halloween 2 remake. Because Halloween 2 all takes place in a hospital. So great, we're here. We got Lori Strode, Annie's in the hospital. We got a couple of nurses, including one played by Octavia Spencer. Uh, it's going to be great. You know, we're going to take some time to develop all these characters, and they're all going to get slowly killed. But, oh, wait, no, Michael's here, and he's killed Octavia Spencer already, and another nurse, and a security guard. And it was all a dream. 
So ultimately, what I have for all these people is uh, don't be NPCs in a trauma victim's dream. Yeah. That is the best thing they could have done to avoid their fates. And it's too bad because this is my favorite part of the movie. It's, it's kind of an exciting sequence because Laurie ends up outside of the hospital in the security guard shack with Michael chopping down the walls with an axe. And I remember the first time I was watching this, I was like, how the hell is she going to get out of this one? This is exciting. Oh, and she wakes up. This is very Breaking Dawn Part 2 where the best part of the movie never happened. Yeah. And that's disappointing. And we can't criticize these characters because they don't exist. Yep. And Laurie's in a dream. Yep. You know, if we were watching a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, this would be different because... They have a mythos and logic they have to use within the dream world to combat Freddy. But in this world, this is just a dream. You know, logic is out the window. I, I will say, Dream Lori is pretty good, considering she's, like, messed up. Yeah, this Lori is way more injured than uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's Lori Strode in the original yep. sequel. She's got her leg pinned up. Uh, she's got stitches all over the place, and she's dizzy. Yep. And all of this is well-established. But she runs, she hides, she can't fight. She's got no no shot in any fight against Michael. She can't climb over the, the fence. No. There's no way to open it. So she does really well. If this had been real life, she was totally going to die. Yes. But she was all basically in a no-win scenario. Yeah. But it was all a dream, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Lucky. Uh, but it was kind of fun to see Octavia Spencer in like a two-bit, uh, two-scene role where she just gets stabbed to death. We should get her back for the 12th movie. Yes. So cut to one year later. Because, okay, I guess we're just going to skip what could have been interesting. <laughs> All right. So Lori wakes up. It's been a year. She's living with the Brackets, Annie and the Sheriff. Uh, they're, they're mostly recovered physically. And it's October 29th, one year, one year later. And uh, the big takeaway we need to talk about here is, so Michael, that the ambulance thing actually happened, or with the coroner's van, that happened. Everything in the hospital didn't happen. So Michael's body is just missing. There was a car accident. The two drivers are dead. And Michael's body just gets up and vanishes guys i think and everybody's like oh no he's dead there's no proof he's dead i guess i mean he did have a bullet wound in his head so i don't know what do you think about this Derek? it's it's two things i think that if you are a member of the public at large for all intents and purposes michael can go ahead and be dead to you because you know he took a bullet to a head you know how the story goes you've maybe heard of the book that is apparently selling out in this world and ultimately, it won't matter much for you, because if you are in a horror movie, you're not going to know it's Michael Myers until after you're dead. So for public at large, Michael's dead, whatever. It's another government conspiracy. Maybe he was like a weapon gone rogue. I mean, you can write any number of American conspiracy, American government conspiracy theories about Michael Myers. Alex Jones had a field day with this. <laughs> but if you are Lori, Annie, Sheriff, everyone in Haddonfield, Dr. Loomis... This is real. Mm -hmm. This is concerning because Loomis know that he sh knows that he shot Michael and knows that Michael got right back up and nearly killed him later. There might be something bigger at work. And again, I'm not someone who's saying believe in superstition or buy into supernatural, you know, kooky duke or what have you. But you need to be generally more aware than it felt like all of them were, except maybe a little bit Lori, because Lori was basically, uh, th this is very, Children of the Corn, was it four, when the mom didn't know she was in therapy and she didn't know what was real and what wasn't because there was like the visitors. Yep, yep. It's kind of like that where she's telling herself, no, Michael's dead, but she actually believes that he's alive. Sure. So that clouds her judgment, but it's self uh, it, it's uh, 
a circular firing squad. <laughs> you know, her her thoughts are just a circular firing squad where it's just brain, logic, feeling, this psychic connection that she has with the other Myers, including the, the, the late Deborah Myers. So it's hard to explain, and she's in a bad position. The sheriff and Annie, I think they have no excuses. They need to understand that that body is missing. Yep. You know what? I'm 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 just more confused than I realize that I am. Because like, what do you do with Annie? Because she was like equally traumatized yep. here, and she seems to be okay. So you have to assume that this trauma is worse for Lori, maybe because of the psychic connection, or I I don't know. It's I, hard. I, I really don't know. It, it really it's it's unfortunate that we're gonna just cut out so much of that time period between the last movie and this movie because important stuff probably happened there. The sheriff probably launched an investigation, and they just couldn't find him because Michael's still alive and moving. It's really confusing, but here's the thing. So what do we know about Michael? We know he's done two killing sprees on Halloween, right? That's what we know so far. He did one when he was a kid and one a year ago. Yes. His body's missing. Yes. If I'm anyone in Haddonfield, I would be concerned that Michael could come back on Halloween and do something. And this is only one year later. It's mm-hmm. not like Halloween 7 where it's been 19 years yeah. or what have you. So, yeah, there is cause and reason to pause. So, I just think right off the bat, I think we can condemn every single person in this town for rule number one. Rule number one to surviving a horror movie is you have to realize that you're in one. And living in a town where a serial killer is struck twice on Halloween, and the fact that he's still missing, and, and it's Halloween time again, that lends credence to the fact that you might be in a horror movie. It's 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 loose. It's, it's not like a the strictest definition of being in a horror movie but it's like you should be on your guard at this time of year now this is actually a break of what i consider to be a commandment this is not learning from past events mm-hmm. that that does not help you avoid nor escape a horror movie why would you want to be in haddonfield you know what i would do even if i'm just regular citizen of haddonfield i am planning a week-long vacation somewhere in the caribbean or fort lauderdale i don't know just go somewhere and be not in haddonfield for halloween week yeah that is rule number 21, learn from past events. Absolutely right. And I think this is especially true for the sheriff and Annie and Lori. They need to be not here. Granted, Michael would find them, but they are not doing themselves any favors yep. by being here. Dr. Loomis, too. He Doc- comes back to town. Yes. <laughs> um, which we'll get great, to. Great time. Yeah. And the problem with this is every character in the movie violates this rule. So we have to give a Randy Meeks merit badge to one of them. Yeah. But this is a rule violation for everybody. Yep. Nobody seems that concerned with Michael, the the possibility that he's still alive. And that's going to make a lot of this movie more difficult to grade because not many people are going to realize they're in a horror movie yep. until there's a knife sticking out of their sternum. Yeah. But everybody should suspect that they could potentially be in a horror sequel. Yeah. Uh, that possibility is more than possible. Yes. <laughs> Always remember the sequel, ladies and gentlemen. Always guys. remember the sequels. If the body was never found, assume they're still alive. That almost feels like a rule, like, beware the sequel. Well, I guess it kind of goes under the rule of, um, oh, rule number 33 is never assume you're safe. Yes. They're all kind of assuming they're safe. Yep, they're moving on, assuming they're safe. There was no closure here. They didn't yeah. put a body in the ground. Yep, and they all know it. So, Lori's going to therapy. That's good. Dr. Loomis, he's on doing a book tour of his latest book, All About Michael, and he's turned into a major diva and a huge asshole, like, demanding coffee from his assistant, like, threatening to, like, beat her... He says, if I want your opinion, I'll beat it out of you. Dude! And I know you told me that the idea behind this 
is Rob Zombie saying all of these characters are coping with their trauma in their own way. But this just felt weird for Dr. Loomis because Dr. Loomis had been in precarious situations in previous iterations. And yeah, you know what? We don't need the same thing over and over again, but I hate this Loomis. Yeah, this Loomis sucks. It, it didn't even feel like Dr. Loomis. No, it's, it feels like a new character. And, this, and his entire subplot doesn't matter. The whole thing, the whole thing, because he's on his own the whole movie until the last scene, his last scene, basically. Yeah. Is he's just being a dick, and then he's going to realize, I've been a dick, I need some redemption, and he's going to come back right at the end. Right. And that's that's his subplot. Yep. He exists. He's a character. He, he moseys around. So meanwhile, Lori is working in a book-slash-music store now, and we meet her her two new friends, since her old friends are, or one of her old friends is dead, and her other... Annie never leaves the house once in the movie. So she needs new friends. We got Maya, her co-worker, who seems like smart girl. It's mm-hmm. nice. And then there's Harley, who's party girl. Very Harley Quinn. Yeah. And that's their characterizations. Cool. Generic, young... Sequel friends. Sequel friends. Because <laughs> everyone else died yep. or left. Classic sequel friends. They're one note because who cares? They're going to die in this movie anyway. We all know <laughs> And there's a big costume party on Halloween that Harley and Maya want to go to, and they're trying to convince Lori to go, and Lori's like, eh, maybe not, which is the right move, Lori. Yeah, and these friends are horrible people for trying to press this on her in what's going to be probably a very traumatic anniversary. Yeah, don't be dicks. Like, don't, don't do that kind of thing. Yeah. It's being <laughs> selfish. Be good people. Be good people. It's not hard. Dr. Loomis holds this press conference. It doesn't go well. People are asking questions about Michael still being alive. And Dr. Loomis is like, Michael Myers is fucking dead. Cut to Michael's definitely alive walking through a field. Which, that's the other subplot in this movie that doesn't make any sense. Just Michael Myers walking menacingly through fields. And that's it. Just buying his time, wait for Halloween. That's it. That's what Michael's been doing this for this past year. Now what I need is an anthological miniseries on HBO Go of Michael Myers just walking through fields, finding different vigilante justice to dispatch on people that didn't really deserve it but okay sure so that's the whole series and it's just michael myers walking menacingly <sighs> and if anyone out there has seen carnival row it's kind of like that whole series is just orlando bloom walking menacingly through the row <laughs> this is just the same thing but with tyler main as michael myers <laughs> solving crimes and delivering justice for the people i'd watch it i'd watch it he's just walking through the wilderness with his ghost mom and they go to a barn, and, and young Michael's ghost is there, too, now. Okay, cool. And they're like, it's it's almost time again for stuff. <laughs> time to be a family again. Michael, Ohana means family. This is basically the Lilo and Stitch <laughs> edition of Halloween. Nobody gets left behind or forgotten, Ryan. It's, yeah, it's it's true. That is definitely true. <laughs> I really wish Ohana means family had been the tagline for this movie. <laughs> no, Halloween 2. Ohana means family. That's Disney the... lawsuit. <laughs> Whatever. <It'd be> great. <laughs> this barn is, is on the property of a guy named Floyd, uh, who's played by Mark Boone Jr. He was in Sons of Anarchy as well. He's in Batman Begins. He's in too Fast, Too Furious, bunch of stuff. He's also in The Mandalorian. Oh, he's, yeah, he's in The Mandalorian. One, one, uh, one episode of The Mandalorian. Okay. Good old Mark Boone Jr. And it's him and his daughter and I think like one of his farmhands maybe. Yeah, that sounds right. It, it, it's never made clear because they're only in one scene. And they've had problems with Michael in the past trespassing. I guess. On their property and maybe stealing stuff from them. And they've had enough and they're going to go put a stop to it. And so they pull up in their truck, and they find Michael just walking through this field. And I need to remind everybody, Michael's like seven feet tall in this movie. Yes. He's huge. 
and they're gonna go fight him. Um, uh, Floyd's got a crowbar, and the other guy's got a bat, and the daughter's like, "No, don't do that." And and these guys might not necessarily be in Haddonfield. I don't think. I think they're just some remote town. Yeah, it's nearby. It's within walking distance. Within clearly. walking distance. <laughs> but if you're gonna go confront a massive dude like that who who's like a drifter, he could be crazy. Rule number one: you guys might be in a horror movie. Yeah, you know. Call the cops. Yeah. Call someone, because it sounds like they haven't even bothered calling any sort of authority to deal with this trespasser. They're just going to go dole out vigilante justice themselves. There's no need for you to do this. You're not living in the Old West. Yep. And even if you were living in the Old West, I think I would rather call the sheriff. Yep. Rule 12, wait for backup. Absolutely. Uh, But here's another thing, though. If if you're going to do this, if you're going to confront somebody and be like, hey, get off my property. Okay, one thing you need to do is rule number five, lock and load. Granted, these guys do that. They got a crowbar and a baseball bat. But this guy is huge. Get a gun. You know, just 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 in case. If you if you want to go talk to him yourself, have a rational conversation with this uh, this a beast of a man. But bring a gun with if you're gonna do it. Yeah, and the other big thing with these guys, I mean. They were not very careful with what they said, nor with what they did. And this is also stranger danger. Yeah. You don't know what this seven-foot behemoth is yeah. capable Rule 18, of. stranger danger. Rule number nine, be careful what you say and how you say it. They could have asked him nicely to leave the property. They didn't have to be dicks about it. No, but instead they decided to walk up behind him and they uh, they kneecapped him yep. with uh, the crowbar and the baseball bat. Yep. And then just beat him while he was down a couple more times just for good measure. And then they were going to be satisfied with that. Yet this is not the right way to deal with a, a trespasser who has not dealt you any harm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm never pro hurting someone or bringing harm to someone just for trespassing because I, I feel like on top of legal ramifications, civil ramifications, especially in today's Sue Happy environment, yep. any kind of personal trauma that you might suffer by doing that kind of thing, it's just not something that's good. No. Nothing good comes to this. Rule number four, don't be a menace. What, what I'm saying is these guys basically did everything wrong in the situation for avoiding a horror movie. Yep. You didn't even need to go find this guy. Or maybe just keep an eye on him and have someone else go call the cops. Yep. Michael is not fast. No. So <laughs> just stare at him from across the field and then just go drive to the other end of the field and watch him walk up and then drive, you know, kind of like following a tornado, except yep. the tornado is much smaller and I don't know if who's more dangerous. <laughs> Tornado versus Michael Myers. Now there's the sequel we need. Twister 2. This <laughs> is so bad. So don't be a menace. Don't do this. Don't go like beat people up for no real good reason. If you're going to do it, if you are going to commit to this, this, this horrible act that they do, you can't go halfway. Rule number 29 is no half measures. No more half measures, Walter. You beat a guy up, leave him for dead in the middle of your field. What, what are the possible outcomes here? One, he goes away and never comes back. Possibility two, he comes looking for revenge. And then he comes and kills you all. Which is it's what he's going to do. But you leave, it, let's say this wasn't Michael. Let's say this random guy. Mm-hmm. You just leave him for the dead in the middle of the field. He goes and heals up and comes back later and kills you in your sleep. Or goes and gets the cops and say, yeah, I was trespassing, but they nearly beat me to death. Yeah. Congratulations, you've ruined your life either way. Yeah. Rule number 29 is no half measures. If you're going to do this... Do this. <laughs> that's a very dark. That's a very dark way to yeah. analyze this scene. This right? is the the worst way to do this kind of thing. You know, Walter White from like Breaking Bad or or, or Gus Fring in Breaking Bad, like the, those big players in Breaking Bad. You know what they do? They kill Michael Myers. Yeah, put his body in some acid. That's, that's gonna take a while, but 
It'll take a while to decompose that body. Well, and I mean, we've talked about that in a past Halloween movie. Just bury Michael, and you know what? That is some other generation's problem. Even if he cannot die, that's like a good 75 years that you're buying yourself. Yep. This is just so stupid on every level. They're horrible people, and they can't even do that right. <laughs> Michael's going to wake up, yep. and he is going to basically grab the, 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 farm the farmhand from behind, slice his throat, stab him a couple times. Uh, Rule number two, constant vigilance. He turned his back on the guy he just beat up. Yes, and he was in the headlights and everything. Yep. I, I know that I judge Halloween people differently because of Michael, but they don't even... Michael's not quiet in this movie. I mean, they yeah. even have like camera shakes when he walks. He grunts. Yeah, he. That was an, yeah, that was another thing that I noticed in this movie. He's like, rawr, 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 yeah. rawr. but he's gonna go grab the other guy. He's going to impale him on some antlers. He yeah, hasn't... he's gonna impale Floyd. Uh, Floyd's got some antlers on the front of his truck and on the he grill. Grabs Floyd and just impales him on those. That's a cool kill. I yep. like that kill. Yep. But first, for the farmhand guy especially, I do want to say rule number two: constant vigilance. And then for all, for both him and Floyd, rule number thirty-two. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Yep. Now, the daughter, this whole time, she's been like, no, don't beat him up. And then she, like, tried to help him, but they told her, like, hey, let's get out of here. And she's like, I'm, I'm sorry. This is what they did in the first movie, too. It's what they did with uh, uh, Danny Trejo's character in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Someone showing Michael kindness, and that doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Ki- kindness does not matter to this guy. It's just reestablishing that, yeah, no, he's just kind of a monster. Pulls her out, stabs her very gruesomely multiple times and but i i think because all the lights on on their truck were still on i think the keys are still in the ignition probably so at this point when when those two were dead she she locked herself in the truck she needed to just drive away yeah. number 11 get out. get out yeah and she doesn't do that this is a rule 10 don't panic yep she definitely panics here and she my, freeze panics yeah. which is the worst kind absolutely and michael just grabs her and yanks her out and drags her into the field and stabs her to death. Well, good night. Yeah, um, that's that, the end of this girl. It's unfortunate. And then Michael kills their dog. Because there's always a dog that yep. needs to die in a Halloween movie. And he eats it. Okay, that was unnecessary. But he, we're... He, he did it in the first movie. They had it completely off screen. Michael ate a dog in the first movie. Okay, well. Man's got to eat. I guess. He's in a field, though. He's got other options. He can go vegan if he wants. Like Lori. <laughs> <laughs> Lori's a vegetarian, and uh, she and the Brackets are eating pizza, and at the same time, Michael's eating his dog, and I think the implication is Lori and her connection, she tastes the dog in her mouth, and that makes her feel sick, and she goes and pukes. Sure. Psychic connection. Very Voldemort, Harry Potter. Yeah. So then we get another weird-ass vision of Michael seeing his mom, or something, at just more weird-ass bullshit, and yeah. Lori also has this dream, too, so that's weird. This is fun, I guess. October 30th now, Michael is back in Haddonfield, uh, as is Dr. Loomis. He's in town now, and he's doing an interview outside of the Myers house. And is just a huge dick to his publicist for no real reason. Then we get another weird dream of Lori dressing up and uh, as clown Michael Myers from the first movie and murdering Annie. But again, that was all a nightmare, so it didn't happen. Didn't happen. A lot of, lot of stuff not happening in this movie. There was a split second in time that I thought that Lori might actually be doing a lot of these killings, especially later on when, you know, one of the friends dies. I was like, oh, well, why is Michael here? Maybe he's not here. No, no, no. It wasn't that straightforward. That would have been a better movie. It would have been more interesting, I think, yep. if people thought it was Michael and he kept disappearing and where is he, but it was Lori all along. Or maybe people thought it was Lori. But it's really Michael. Michael. Yeah. There, there are ways to do this. There are ways to make a better movie with this material. Then we meet Big Lou. 
who who was briefly in the previous movie. He's the owner of the strip club in town where Deborah Myers used to work. Uh, played by Daniel Roebuck, who has been in just tons of things, including The Fugitive. He's one of the marshals in The Fugitive. Okay. So he's hanging out at his club with a, his bouncer and a stripper, and they're never named in the movie. But Big Lou, a bouncer and stripper, they're all hanging out at the club. Big Lou had been at a Halloween party earlier, and they're watching him... Um, Talking to a reporter on an interview at about a Halloween party. So, you know, they're having a good old time just hanging out. Bouncer Man goes to take out the trash and runs into Michael out back. And, like, tries to threaten him and get him to go away. And it doesn't work at all. And this is the first time that I think I've called this rule out for explicitly being a problem. But, uh, rule 31, put your ego aside, dude. Yep. I understand that you're Bouncer here, but this guy is... Very threatening, and you are just being a prick. Now, granted, we've already discussed, it does not matter if you are a good person, bad person, indifferent. It doesn't matter where you are on, like, chaotic, neutral, lawful, good. It doesn't matter. Michael will kill you. But this is not how you face this situation. Yeah. This is how you avoid a horror movie. You just don't be a complete prick. Just walk away. Yeah. Honestly, that's your best move at this point, is get out. Yeah, is he making a mess of the club? No. The building? No? Okay, cool. I, Call the cops. Honestly, what this guy should do at this point is he needs to, you know, keep his distance, rule 40. Yep. Uh, go back inside and call the cops, rule number 12. Yep. And hopefully Michael doesn't make a move. He's going to. I'm sure he will. Yes. Um, and at that point, you just run away or, or do something. But at this point, Bouncer Man should, you know, just back up and get back inside. Yes. And he's not going to do that. He's just going to cuss out Michael for no real reason because Michael doesn't answer. And then he's going to try and pick a fight with him. And this dude is seven foot huge. Yeah, yeah, this guy is seven foot scary. Not even six foot scary. Bouncer, rule number one, you're in a horror movie. Yeah. And he's going to throw a punch. And Michael's just going to kick his ass and crush his skull. That's basically it. Yep. Dumbass. So, Ryan, did this guy have a chance to avoid this horror movie? Absolutely. Yes, he did. So many chances. And would it have mattered? Who knows? But he... Went about this in the worst way possible, yep. so it's hard to judge the rest of his decision. Yes. Then we get to Big Lou and the stripper. They're inside. They're about to do it. And Michael bursts in. And Big Lou's ready for this because he's got a gun. Rule number five, lock and load. Good for you. Good for you. You just put a couple shots into his head, and you put him down, and he'll probably resurrect because that's what he does. But hey. You buy you, yourself some time. You buy yourself some time. Guess what doesn't happen? He doesn't shoot. Rule number 40 is keep your distance. And he just decides to walk right up to Michael for some reason. What? This this might be the worst move of the movie. It might be the single worst move of the movie. And this all he doesn't shoot either. This is rule 22. Take the shot. Take he, the shot. He does not do that. So Big Lou here, he is obviously, he knows he's in a horror movie. Yeah. And he has decided, I want to defeat the evil. I want to defeat the horror movie. Rule 22 under that is take the shot. You have the gun. It's loaded. For all you know, this is a regular human don't get close to him and try to in, like intimidate him. Guns can still work at a distance. That's kind of the point. And this was not a big office either. No. You know, handguns aren't accurate, but the point is, he said, I'm going to put two shots in your skull. He doesn't do anything, and he's going to pay for it. Yeah, Michael's going to just break his arm. Stripper girl's going to run outside and try and get out, but Michael has locked the door somehow. Um, sure. You know, good to run her for trying to get out, but... She just stays at that one door. She does a lot of panicking. She just freezes up and doesn't move. Rule number 28 is run, bitch, run. Run, bitch, run! That was the time. Go find another way out. You, you know? know this building. Rule 17, never give up the next thing you try might work. Keep looking for another way out. And she know? does not do that. There's got to be more than one door out of this place. And if there's not, find a weapon. Lock and load. Do, do something. something. 
And Pokes so, the stick. Do, do something. something. Big Lou comes out of his office screaming, uh, but Michael kills him, and then Michael kills the stripper. Cool. Nobody's doing very well. No. Bouncer had a chance to avoid the horror movie, but the horror movie was probably coming upon him anyway. But it's hard to judge him after that. Big Lou and Stripper, they knew that they were in a horror movie. They had a chance to do something about it, mostly Big Lou, and they just... Stripper tries to escape and does everything wrong. Mm -hmm. She doesn't try anything. She panics a ton. She doesn't use her environment to her advantage because she knows the layout of the building. Mm -hmm. And Big Lou, for some reason, decided to go mafia-style, try and put his gun up against Michael Myers' head and threaten him. I don't know. So that was kind of putting his ego aside, too. He should have done that. Oh, yeah. He's just confusing. This was just a really poor performance. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, there we go. All right, now it's Halloween. Uh, October 31st, and Dr. Loomis's book has been released, and the sheriff is reading it. And what we're going to find out is it's revealed that, in, in the book, Dr. Loomis has revealed that Lori is Angel Myers, Michael Myers' sister. Dick move, Dr. Loomis. Yeah, this is a different iteration of be careful what you say and how you say it. Yep. Maybe don't reveal Laurie Strode's true identity nationally, internationally in a book. That's a dick move. Yeah. That is don't be a menace, rule number four. Yeah. The sheriff's like, oh, I gotta tell Lori the truth now before she finds out. Because he, he's been wanting to hide this from her, which is good. It does no good to tell her this. Really. But now he's got to. It's better to hear it from him than it is to just read it in a book. Well, too late. Yeah, because he tries to get Annie to find her, but it's too late. Can't get her. Lori sees the book in a bookshop, buys it, reads it. She knows now. Dr. Loomis, meanwhile, is doing a book signing. The father of Linda from the last movie, who got killed, shows up and tries to shoot him. But it turns out the gun wasn't loaded. But he, he pulls a gun on Dr. Loomis. Play stupid games, winning stupid prizes, Doctor. Yes. You know. Well, and also random guy as well. Shooting people is never a solution here. Yeah. And I also don't understand why people are blaming Loomis for the deaths of these people. Michael was going on this rampage one way or another. It feels like they're trying to ascribe blame to something that doesn't exist. Yeah. And he is this public figure. And I think the profiteering yeah. certainly doesn't help. Yeah, he is um, definitely profiting off blood money. But it's... It's not his fault these people died. No. Dr. Loomis is not responsible for these people's death, but he's a huge prick. You're not wrong, Walter. You're just an asshole. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the, there, there is tact. Yes. And he has none. Yeah. He, he shouldn't be profiting off this. You know, if he wants to write this book, he should be like, I'm going to donate the profits to some cause or something like that. Or, or to the families or to Haddonfield or something. Yeah. I mean, there, there are ways. There are ways around this to, you know, if, if you truly just wanted to tell the story, okay. Mm -hmm. But he's a huge prick and he's just profiting off this. Again, this is not the Dr. Loomis that no. we know. And love. Yes. This is some monster. Almost worse than Michael. <laughs> In his own way. Yeah. And even his publicist tells him, like, yeah, you're crossing the line. You've, you've gone too far. So Lori goes home and packs up her shit and is like, yeah, I'm leaving. Screw you. I'm out of here to Annie. Annie tells her dad, like, I don't know what's wrong with Lori. And Sheriff's like, yeah, well, she read the goddamn book probably. Yeah, I, I know what's wrong with her. And so now he's getting a little bit worried. So, you know, there isn't enough for him to realize like he's truly in a horror movie yet, I don't say. But he takes a little bit of preemptive measures and, and he sends one of his deputies, Deputy, Deputy Neal, over to the house to just keep an eye on Annie. Yeah, solid move. A solid move, preemptive, preemptive, I like it. Because there hasn't been any reports of any bodies yet, so nope. we're still uh, not really in true, true horror movie territory. So far, it's just Halloween Haddonfield. Yep. Which so is no. reason for heightened awareness, Yep. but really nothing else yet. Nothing else yet. 
Lori goes over to Mia and Harley's place and she tells them like, here's what's going on. It takes her a while to like really explain it because at first she's like, I'm not me. Don't you understand? No, I don't understand. What the hell are you talking about? And it, it you know what? It probably didn't help that you told me what was in the book because I, I was just, the movie draws it out for so long. Yeah. What is, what's in the book? What does she read? What's in the book? What did she read? And you told me right away. And after that, I'm just, oh my goodness, just tell me. I'm sick of this. We get it. I'm not me. I'm not me. Oh, okay. Well, the audience already knew that. So why do you have to draw this out like it's the season finale of a 40-episode miniseries? This isn't a twist. This isn't a secret. We all know. Yes, we are. We know this. We just know that she doesn't. And it shouldn't be this big of a deal. Yeah, just do it. (laughs) Dr. Loomis goes on a a late-night talk show uh, hosted by Chris Hardwick with another guest, Weird Al Yankovic. That was funny. Uh, Mr. Weird, what made you want to be in Halloween to the remake? Yeah, that's a great question. And it also does not go well for Dr. Loomis. And he's like pissed off as he's leaving. He's like, I've never been so humiliated in my life because they're asking questions and kind of making fun of him. Mm-hmm. And we get my probably my favorite moment in the whole movie is he and his publicist are on the route. And he's just raging. Uh, I've never been so humiliated. This is ridiculous. Just just bitching and moaning. And then they're they're leaving. They're like, bye. Thank you. Have a good night. <laughs> Just a little quick moment where they just switch to very polite. Again, it's just there's a facade. There's yep. definitely something going on in the background here. Yeah, just just a little thing, like the one like funny moment in this movie. <laughs> yeah, because there's there's very little to to hold on to here, folks. Oh yeah, Lori, me, and Harley they're getting drunk. They're getting drunk, and Lori wants to go to this Halloween party now. She's decided, and so they all decide to go. Bad call. I don't like this because it was Mia who was saying, "No, let's just have a chill night in." Again, I don't know if it would have done them any good, mm-hmm. but going to this party just means that you're going to be diminishing senses. Yep. And you are maybe being, not maybe, you are being more lackadaisical than you should. Your friend is going through a traumatic moment. I'm all for, there was something that recently uh, went made, made the rounds on social media. It was do whatever you need to do to cope. But going and potentially like ODing on alcohol after finding out some pretty dramatic news, after spending a year in therapy working through your problems, this is probably not good for coping. And I admire Mia for at least saying, no, we shouldn't do that, and temporarily convincing them that they shouldn't. But because we need a movie... They're going to go. And Lori is the worst. And Harley is a very poor influence. Enabler. Enabler. We're going to go. We're going to go. And the other part is, nobody should be out at a Halloween party tonight. No. Nobody should. None of these people should be out at this party because Michael Myers is still out there. Halloween in Haddonfield, it just seems in poor taste. Especially one year after the events. It, like, that, and that's where it is. It's yeah. one year. It's been a year. Uh, and the director's cut, fun fact, has actually been two years. That's weird. Yeah. They change it. It's been two years for the director's cut. I wonder if they do that because then maybe there's a reason for people to have their guards a little bit let down. That, it makes more sense if it's two years. But in the, in the version we watched, it was yep. only a year. We do theatrical cuts here mostly. We try to anyway. And at this point, a Deputy Neal arrives at uh, the Bracken house, so he's out on the porch with a shotgun. Rule number five, lock and load. Yeah, good job. So Harley meets a guy we only know as Wolfie. That's his name in the credits. Sure. Because he's a wolf man. And they go out to his van to bang, um, but he's got to pee. So he goes over to the woods to take a leak, and Michael just stabs him to death. Rip. Oh. He should have known he was at a horror movie and shouldn't have gone to this party. That's pretty much it. Yep. Because once he knew definitively that he was in a very active, not a passive horror movie, it was too late. Yeah, he was dead. Yeah. 
Then he breaks into the van and strangles Harley to death before she can get out. And she tries to scream, but nobody can hear because of the loud music at the party. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing. Rip those two. Shouldn't be at the party, and you should have known that there was a chance you were in a passive horror movie, possibly a sequel. Yep. And you didn't. And you didn't. So you're hanging out with a girl who was the final girl, final girl of a previous horror movie. That's a red flag. Yeah. <laughs> that's a huge red flag. It's kind, of, it's kind of like the person with the crazy hair in an anime. That's the main character, yeah. not you. Yep. Stay away from them. Yep. You you are expendable. <laughs> Well, what's this red shirt I'm wearing, Ryan? <laughs> when did you dye your hair, like, blue? <laughs> we can't be friends anymore. Yep, that's fair. So Loomis is watching his appearance on the, that Chris Hardwick show, and he kind of realizes he's a huge prick. Yeah, he's coming across as very crass. Yep. It's not a good look for him, and he's kind of like, oh, what have I been doing? That's what I look like. Lori loses Maya at the party, and she's really drunk, and she's having a vision of Deb, Deborah Myers and young Michael. And like, you need to come home. What? <laughs> sure, I guess. And she freaks out. Fair enough. I'd freak out too. Yeah. I'd be I... like, did someone slip something in my drink? And at this party, there would be cause for concern. At best, you know what? You're overloading your senses. This is too much for you. You should probably call it a night. And Maya shows up and does that. Yes. So good job. Yep. Good Good uh, friend. Now she's doing the right thing. Get her home. Yeah, she's getting, hopefully gotten this need to party thing out of her system Mm -hmm. maybe we can just go have a low-key night now now i don't like the fact that they just kind of forget about where harley is yeah but i also know that in our friend group that's not something that we ever let fly if you go out with a certain number of people that's the number of people that you make sure have made it home yeah I know it's a different circumstance for different people now maybe like let's say there's six of us out partying three people decide to go home the other three want to stay out that's that's different, but they leave Harley on her own. They leave her on her own, and they also don't know where she went. Yep. And granted, Mia was right. Uh, she went off with some guy. Like she does every time. Like, like she does every time. She should probably have at least told them where she was going. Yes. So this is uh, just good life advice. Yeah. If you're breaking from a group while at a party or at a bar or downtown or whatever, tell your group where you're going. Yep. Always let people know what's going on yeah even if you're making what is quote unquote a poor decision you know stereotypically speaking at least let people know where you're going to be so that there's some frame of reference if something happens exactly exactly right but they're gonna they're gonna get out of here back at the bracket house deputy uh neil is gonna go out and like check the perimeter and walk around the house and he's gonna go for a cigarette and michael's gonna grab him from behind and kill him rule number two constant vigilance because he was hiding behind a really skinny pine tree. Yeah, don't know how he pulled that off. Magic Stonehenge bullshit. Yes. But yeah, if you're going to be on guard duty at a house, you should probably just... Be on guard? Be on guard. Yeah. You know, rule number three, do your damn job. And he wasn't not doing his job, but he needed to do it better. Yep. Granted, it, it's hard with this guy. It's it's a it's a minuscule rule break. Yeah. He was, he was screwed. <laughs> yeah. And so Annie's getting ready to take a bath, and somehow Michael's already got into the house. Sure. And he's just standing in, in the corner. <laughs> and I feel really bad for Annie here because, you know, she's just been doing her own thing this whole time, and then she turns around, and there's the guy who attacked her last year just standing in the corner. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's that's not great. Not great, Bob. And she tries to run, but she's so tiny, and she has no chance. Yeah, she is five foot even. She was so screwed. You know, besides not realizing that she was in a horror movie a year later when yeah. she showed up, like everybody else in town, that's all I have for her. 
yeah, I, maybe the doors should have been locked. Um, that's what, you know, maybe Michael would have had to break in somehow. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, she had an armed officer at her door. And if he needed to get her for some reason, you know, you leave the door unlocked. If you've got, it, it's not like she has a guest, but it's kind of yeah. like she has a guest. Yeah. So if she didn't leave her shelter. She wasn't doing irresponsible things at a party. Nothing. Michael just came for it, and... She didn't realize she was in a horror movie sequel. That, that's it. That's all I got. Yeah. And she's going to get mortally wounded here. She'll die a little bit later. But this is the end for Annie, and it's it's it, this is one of like the few moments where I'm like, oh, man, this, it, this is sad. It's very unceremonious as well, because yeah. a lot of it was you know off camera and really undeveloped. How did Michael get here so quickly? Nah, and... I don't know. Bummer. Lori and Maya arrive at the, the house, and... They're, they're coming back to the Brack house. Lori's decided, like, yeah, I'll talk to them tomorrow. We'll figure this out. Now, I know you're drunk, but constant vigilance. There's a cop car here. Yep. And a dead guy in the driver's seat. But they could, they don't see, they don't see the driver. But, you know, maybe a cop car is, like, a not an uh, unusual occurrence here because the sheriff. I, right. So. I have to remember that Annie's dad is the sheriff. Yeah. Because if there's a cop car in my yard or my driveway, I notice it. Yep. But this is probably a normal thing. And also, they are very drunk, which is yes. no excuse for breaking. Well, Maya's not drunk. Maya's not drunk. Maya's not drunk. No. Okay. So they go inside and they go upstairs and they find a disaster zone. There's been a struggle and they find Annie dying. Then they break rule number nineteen: don't split up, gang. Let's split up and look for clues. And I'm gonna go ahead and say, uh, never assume you're safe. Mm-hmm. This was the same thing that happened uh, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I think it was in Hol- in a Halloween Seven. Yep. Just because someone broke into the house, they could still be there. Yeah, rule her three, never assume you're safe. Maya's going to go back downstairs to call the cops, which she does successfully, which, you know, impressive. Yes. But Lori's going to stay upstairs to take care of Annie, which... Which, by know. the way, Michael getting sloppy. Usually he cuts the phone lines yeah. for this type of thing. But no, Maya gets through, but as she's telling the address, she gets grabbed by Michael and stabbed to death. You shouldn't have split up from her, uh, from uh, Lori. You should have stayed on the, should have stayed with her. Call, there's got to be an upstairs phone. Got to be. There's got to be something. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if there was one. This is an old farmhouse mm-hmm. in, you know, small Midwest town, right? I believe that there's one line and it's in the kitchen. Okay. That's, I mean, that I lived in a house like that. Sure. I can see that. But she split up gang. They assumed they were safe. Uh, they should have known they were in a horror movie, by the way. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. Like, and it's in your face now. <laughs> There's no question. Lori and Maya definitely should know they're in a horror movie. Maya's dead. 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 She had chances to escape this. Yes, she did. Uh, and at this point, dispatch tells the sheriff, like, yeah, the call. There's been a one call from your house. So sheriff's on his way now. Mm-hmm. Annie dies from injuries. And Michael starts beating on the door to get at Lori. And, you know, credit to Lori... She gets out. And she had already locked both doors into this yep. bathroom. So that's something. That's something. She just gets the hell out of the house. She just runs straight out the house. Yep. That's exactly the right move. That is the point. right move. That is uh, rule 11. Get out. Yeah. So at this point, you just got to get away from Michael. The best you can do is just take off running. Because mm-hmm. he's a big guy. He's not fast, though. No. He walks. He walks. But Michael's on his way after now. Mm-hmm. Police all arrive at the bracket house. The sheriff finds his daughter's body. Which I really wish we would have explored this more. Yeah. I think the sheriff is criminally underused in this movie. Yep. And it's a it's a shame. But this is still a good moment because I like the sheriff as a character. He's, he's by far the most likable character. And by far the most competent. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. Mm-hmm. He's, he's done almost everything right and still loses his daughter. Yes. And that sucks. So Lori runs through the woods and finally gets to a road where she manages to flag down a driver. 
who is played by uh, uh, Sean Whalen from Twister fame. Woo! Two, two Twister references two in one Twister movie. Two Twister references. So it was fun having him here for a scene. And so this guy, he rule number 13 is don't pick up hitchhikers. This is the best way to avoid this kind of horror movie. Yep. And this is also another rule violation for him. Uh, is rule 30, don't be a good Samaritan. Yep. So he, Lori flags him down. He's going to stop to help this girl out. You know, nice thing to do. He's going to put her in his car. And he's like, it's all okay. It's all going to be fine. And Michael grabs him and kills him and throws him through the windshield of the car. This felt a lot like the same fake death that happened earlier in the movie with Buddy the security guard. Mm-hmm. Where it was, just calm down, everything will be okay, I'm going to take you where you need to go. No, one, Lori, you need to be better at communication. Mm-hmm. He is right behind me. Okay, um, maybe we should get a move on and not like g- gingerly walk you to the passenger side of the door. There's no time for chivalry yeah, here. We got to be fast. Rule number 28 is run, bitch, run. Go. Let's just go. Yeah. Move. Be quicker. And that's the end of him. Yep. <laughs> And then at this point, Lori should jump into the, the driver's seat and drive off. But she doesn't have time because Michael just flips the car over. Okay. I well, actually liked this. It, it's funny. Yeah. and Completely it, unnecessary, but totally necessary. And, you know, just like from a common sense log, movie logic point, like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's the move. Flip the car over and Lori can't drive off. Right. Yeah. If you flip the car over, they can't drive the car. Yep. Genius. Okay. Modern problems require modern solutions. So, Michael Myers, uh, good move. You immobilize the target. Perfect. And no half measures here. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's great. Lori's knocked out because she didn't have a seatbelt on. Mm-hmm. To be fair, they weren't moving yet. So, But Lori's knocked out and Michael picks her up and drags her out of the car. And luckily for her, Michael didn't want to kill her because she'd be dead. <laughs> Remember, this is Halloween 2 Ohana. Yes. Uh, so, he drags her to a shack that's not too far away and is now inside there with... Uh, we got Michael, we got Lori, we got ghost little Michael, and we got ghost Deb. Great. The whole family's back together. <laughs> That's just wonderful. Yeah, Vin Diesel would have been proud. Yep. And somehow somebody saw all of this happen. I don't know who. It's unclear. Because somebody saw all of this happen and called the cops and told them about it. I think they wrote this and like, wait, how how, how, did the, how does the sheriff find out about this? And just, just somebody saw it. Who saw it? Just don't worry about it. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense, but okay, whatever. Whatever, man. So all the cops are on their way to the shack now. Lori wakes up and she sees Ghost Deborah and Ghost Little Michael. And she's lost it at this point, I think. Yeah, in a nutshell, Ghost Deb looks down and says, Ohana means family. <laughs> family means that nobody gets left behind. You finish it. You know the words, Lori. And Lori goes, or forgotten. That would have been much better than what actually happens. Because she just wants her to say, I love you, mommy. My version is better. Yes. And young Michael's like holding her down and Lori can't move. I, I, I don't know what to say. I just don't. What I, Ghost visions are happening. Yeah. I, it, I don't know what to do with this. This just doesn't make sense. Because is it real or is it all just a really powerful psychic connection? And if so, this movie kind of paints Deb Myers as the ultimate big bad. Yeah. And it's really confusing because I never got that sense. Michael was the embodiment of evil, but now it's the memory of his mom. Which wasn't set up at all in the first movie. Or in any of the other nine movies ever. And like I get wanting to do something different, but this is a sequel and you need to set this kind of thing up. It's confusing. It's very weird. I really don't know what to make of it. So, okay, cool. Family's back together again. Kind of. Let's get into something more tangible. A helicopter is here and flying overhead. (laughs) 
And the police have the place surrounded completely. Okay, we're in the end game now. Yes. Very Halloween 4 now. Yes. Uh, Loomis sees what's happening on the news, and he heads out to the site um, where the sheriff is. He's got a gun. Everybody's got their guns trained on the shack, but nobody can see or get a clean shot of Michael, and they don't want to hit Lori. Okay, cool. Fine. Good. Fair enough. Loomis shows up, and he's like, hey, I'm here to help, and Brackett just punches him in the face. Fair. Fair. And then puts a gun into his head. It's like, I want to kill you. I want to shoot you so bad. Okay, you know, maybe a little bit too much, because again, it's D- Dr. Loomis is not why Annie is dead. Right. But everyone's looking for someone to blame. Yep. And this guy's a dick. And this guy's a dick. Yes. And it's easy. But Dr. Loomis is here for some redemption. He's like, hey, let me help. I'll draw Michael out of there. He's not going to listen to negotiation tactics. Fair. Yeah, he's right. Let me let me draw him out. Let me help you. And Brackett's having none of it. He's like, just get the fuck out of here. Now, Loomis's motives here are to defeat the horror movie. Yeah, he doesn't care about living, I don't think. No, it's not about escaping. It's not about avoiding. Because Loomis could leave. Yeah, Loomis was not in this movie. So Right, he was in this movie, but he wasn't really in yep. this movie. Michael doesn't care about him. The, the ghost Deb doesn't care about him. No one really cares about him. He's just writing this book. That's, that's all that's happening. So in terms of his survival, Dr. Loomis has made several very key mistakes. Because yes. he could have... Avoided this movie entirely, and even now that he's here in a horror movie, because, you know, you're within a stone's throw of Michael Myers, you're in a horror movie. Yes. Surprise. So he could escape this, but he's choosing to help be a part of the solution, helping to defeat the horror movie. He's being a good Samaritan, rule 30. Which is a rule violation in and of itself, but we're just examining the motives the way that they are falling at our feet. Yes. If Loomis wanted to survive, this is the wrong move. He should never have come here. Yes. But that's not his goal. He's trying to... Do some good. with. Uh, he's done some bad things. It's time to redeem himself. Okay, sure. fine. From a writing standpoint, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, he's got an arc. This is the end of the arc for yes. this movie. It's a weird arc. Yes. But it's <laughs> it's got an ending. It does have an ending. So Loomis, he's like, yeah, whatever. I'm going to go out there anyway. And he just runs out towards the shack. And like, what are they going to do? You can't stop. Like, this, the shack is 10 yards away. And honestly, and Brackett's not thinking properly because his daughter just died. He's very emotional. Fair enough. You know, as a police officer, you probably shouldn't let a civilian go in to this situation, but this is probably the best case scenario for him. I mean, oh, well, I guess... Mm. It's going to work out pretty well for the sheriff at, from this point on. Yeah. And just, some things just happen. Some things just fall the right way. Yeah. So Loomis enters the shack, and he's here to get Lori, and, but young Michael's holding her down, and, and Lori can't move. And But Dr. she's actually just kind of having a seizure, and... and Dr. Loomis like, nobody's holding you down. Let's, let's go. And... Uh, I do like that Loomis is just ignoring Michael Myers. He's like, I'm not here to talk to you. Yeah, I'm here for her. I thought we were friends, Michael. <laughs> Ghost Deborah tells Michael it's time. And okay. So, for whatever reason. So Michael stabs Dr. Loomis to death. Sure. Hardcore. Don't be a good Samaritan. That's all I got for Dr. Loomis, ultimately. It, yeah. This is mostly don't be a good Samaritan. Yep. But it does give the sheriff the shot he needs to follow rule number 22. Take the shot. Take the shot. He fires two rounds into Michael, which causes him to fall backwards and impale himself on some, like, rebar or something. Yeah, something like that. And it was... Uh, these were, like, headshots, by yeah. the way. Yeah, He He gets shot. Br- brutalized. This would kill a normal man. And this seriously wounds him. It doesn't kill him, but it almost kills him. Mm-hmm. It, it's pretty good. And so, for whatever reason, now Lori can get up, and she goes over to Michael. Rule 40, keep your distance. Yeah, this is not great. Rule 11, get out. <laughs> We've seen this type of thing kill Laurie Strode before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, resurrection. This this is what killed Laurie in uh, another multiverse. Definitely a violation of the rule. 
But she's going to pick up the knife and stab Michael to death with it. And that's the end of Michael Myers. Michael, rule number four is don't be a menace. (laughs) Don't be a supernatural menace. Yes. But in this timeline, this is the first time Michael Myers actually died. This is the end. He's still alive at the Halloween 6. That's the end of that timeline. He's still alive at the end of Halloween 8. That's that timeline. In this timeline, Michael is dead. Mm Mm-hmm. First time we've got to actually like throw Michael up there. And I was just reading on Wikipedia that the sequel was canceled. Like back in the day, they were thinking about making a third yep. one. Yep. And they just didn't make it. Yep. Good. So, so Michael is dead. Michael confirmed for dead. Good. Lori exits the shack wearing Michael's masks. And everybody's like, oh no. And then she takes the mask off. And the final scene of the movie is Lori is now in the mental hospital. And she sees a vision of Deborah Myers in white with a white horse. And that's the end of the movie. Hooray. That was fun. No, no, it really wasn't. I wish I could pretend that it was. I feel better about podcasting. Yeah. But this was not a fun movie to watch. No, not at all. And we got no new rules even to go with it. Nope. So let's get into some awards. Hooray. Hooray. First, we have the Randy Meeks Merit Badge, which goes to the character who did the best job at following the rules. That's going to be hard to find in this movie, I think. Yeah. And this is, of course, based off Randy from Scream. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. Uh, I think Randy would probably be disappointed in all of these characters. Yeah. There are no strong candidates here. No. Uh, but do you have a nomination? Uh, the Sheriff? Yeah. He doesn't get much to do, but as we discussed, he was preemptive. He kept his distance when the shack finally came around. He took the shot. He, he took the shot. He didn't really even lose his temper after he found out that his daughter had been killed. You know, he did his job. Yep. I think the Sheriff, given the role that he played in this particular script did everything he could have done and i don't think he made any mistakes yeah besides the fact that the same one everybody else made about not completely being on their guard on halloween but he was the most on his guard out of everybody right i mean he he did what you would expect a worried father to do he sent a guard to the house for the night yep very minor violation of rule one for part of the movie and then eventually he realizes what's going on and that's acknowledging that everybody in this movie violated rule one so if everybody violates the rule nobody does (laughs) the syndrome logic the syndrome logic my my favorite one of my favorites yes so i think by default sheriff brackett's got to win this thing yep so it it is kind of fun to uh, give brad dorif uh, the actor Brad Dorff, a Randy Meeks merit badge, just because he's such a legend in uh, the horror universe. And, you know, we usually don't give them to killers. I mean, it's possible that Chucky could win a Randy Meeks merit badge in the future. Uh, that's possible. But Brad Dorff does have one now for Sheriff Brackett. But the Sheriff's daughter won last time around, and we lost her this time. But Sheriff meant won it this time. Sheriff. Uh, fun connections. Then we have the Night of the Living Club Award, which goes to the person who did the worst job at following the rules. And man, oh man, do we have options. And this is, of course, based off Barbara from Night of the Living Dead, the worst movie character ever. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it! You're ignorant! They're coming for you, Barbara. Derek, who do you, who do you think? Like you said, we've, I mean, if you're looking at the the chalkboard, we've got a lot up there. I don't know if it's quite uh, Children of the Corn 5 bad. It's certainly not Children of the Corn 6 where there's one obvious front runner and it's the main character, mm-hmm. Final Girl. Don't get me wrong, Laurie Strode is not great in this movie. Yeah. But I think I want to nominate Big Lou at the strip club. Big Lou does have the single worst move in the movie. That is 100% true. Why did he not pull the trigger? That And that's my big thing is... He knew he was in a horror movie. He locked and loaded. Everything was good. 
up until that point, and then he just decided to not put his ego aside, get theatrical, charge a guy for no reason. He could have waited in that in the office for Michael to make a move. Like, one step more, I'm going to shoot you. Michael takes a step, two rounds in the skull, get in your car, drive away with your stripper friend, and you know what? You had a pretty tough night, but you are probably going to survive this movie. Uh, you, you had everything lined up, and then you burned the house down for no reason. And, yep. and that was why I nominate him. Uh, and I want to go back to, the, I think the people we had the longest discussion about was Floyd um, and his, I looked this up, uh, it's his son-in-law Sherman and his daughter. I don't, you know, don't want to talk about the daughter, but it's Floyd and Sherman who I think were the real culprits here. And ultimately my nomination is going to go to Sherman, but I just want to walk this through a little bit. Sure. You know, they, they attacked this Michael for basically no reason. They, they, they're going out of their way to be, just be menaces, just be general dicks. Um, they lock and load with weapons, but, you know, they really should have had guns if they're going to do this. They beat the crap out of Michael, a seven-foot guy for no reason, which is just a terrible move in general. But they don't even finish the job. This guy could come back at any time to come back and, like, get revenge on them. It just so happens it's going to be right now because it's Michael Myers. Yes. But, honestly, if it had been just a regular dude, could come back at any time. They could have got the police involved. They chose not to. Then they beat the crap out of this guy for no reason, and they turn their backs on him. They're walking away from him. Why would you turn your backs on him? Constant vigilance. And this, of course, allows uh, Michael to get the drop on Sherman and kill him. And that's why I have him over Floyd, just because of the constant vigilance thing. But ultimately, they're both trash. And I guess Floyd didn't have constant vigilance on him either. It just so happened he picked Sherman to go after first. So can I counter off sure. you? Yes. I, w- I would like to drop Big Lou. I'm, I'm going to sell that stock. I- I'm selling it low. Okay. And we're gonna. I'm going to buy stock in Floyd, actually, because Ooh. I feel that Floyd was a bigger instigator in not avoiding this horror movie. He was the ringleader. He was the first one to attack Michael for no reason. And like you said, he had just as little vigilance about this guy getting up. So I think that if you're the one who instigates this whole idea of being a menace, you're the reason, you're driving. You could just turn the car around even if uh, Sherman wants to attack this guy. I th- I think that if you're the one who, it's all your fault that this horror movie was not avoided, mm-hmm. that maybe you're more at fault because my best way to survive a horror movie is to avoid it altogether. Yeah. Now, Big Lou was confronted by Michael Myers. The bouncer was confronted by Michael Myers. They're probably dead either way. Yep. These guys had no real reason and had a clear out in this movie. So I would like to counteroffer with Floyd for putting them in the situation to begin with. And uh, how about this for the final offer? Floyd and Sherman. Okay, we'll co-winners? Co-winners? Co-winners. We've done it before, and they're you know joined at the hip, basically. You know, we we've done that. We did this in the last Halloween movie for the, the two cops. At the end of the movie, we did it in Halloween three for the two paramedics. Yeah, we've done this a couple of times. Hell, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre three, we gave it to four people. <laughs> uh, Floyd and Sherman. How about them? Apples? I'm good with Floyd and Sherman. Yep. Uh, don't be menaces. Don't go attacking random people in fields, especially when they're seven feet tall. Yeah, no half measures. No half measures. Wait for backup. I mean, there are n- any number of things. So, Use your car as a weapon. Maybe just run him over. There you go. <laughs> You've got spikes on the front. Yeah, <laughs> you get Michael trapped on the hood of your car. What's he going to do now? <laughs> oh, just so many, so many terrible things. Yes. Uh, yeah, so Floyd and Sherman are the night of the living plebs, and they're not still living anymore. I feel good about that one. I feel good about that one, too. That was a, I really liked discussing them. Yes. That was my favorite part of this podcast was the discussion of all of their faults. Um, that was fun. All right. Well, now it is time to spin the wheel of spook. Derek, we got one more Halloween movie. You, you, you gonna you gonna do it? 
No, I think I'm going to pass on this Halloween movie. Of course I'm going to pick the last one. You think I'm going to watch this pile of crap and then not reserve the one that you think is going to be my favorite? I do think this one will be your favorite. And it's the last one. I'll read the eight movies we got on the wheel. we got Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, Chum the Corn 7, Revelation, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Remake, Halloween 2018, Child's Play 3, Leprechaun 3, Saw 6, and Friday the 13th Part 3. Derek, go ahead and spin the wheel. All right, and we got Friday the 13th Part 3. It's been a long time since we had one of those movies on here. Well, you're welcome. Thanks, dude. Uh, Don't like Friday the 13th Part 3. It's kind of a boring movie, but it is the movie where Jason finally gets his hockey mask. So I've asked uh, my good buddy Nick Stolarczyk. He's never been on the podcast before. He doesn't know much about horror movies, but he knows a lot about hockey. So it makes sense, I guess. It makes perfect sense. I don't even think he's seen the first two Friday the 13ths, um, but we're going to have him on, and we're going to talk some hockey and some horror (laughs) movies and get his probably terrible opinions. You'll have to let me know if uh, Jason stands on his head at all in this movie. (laughs) That's literally all I know about hockey. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, mediocre spin, Derek. Oh, well, you know, I did my best. (laughs) Uh, well, Derek, this has been really fun. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, glad this one's over. Yeah. The worst behind us. The worst is behind us. You can follow us on Twitter at HowToHorror. Um, go and check us out and check out our rules. Uh, and that's about it. This has been the How to Survive a Horror Movie Podcast. Stay safe out there. Uh.